most painful thing. Hello and welcome to episode 37 of What Most People Think. How how are you? There was new messages and new guidelines from the government and a new slogan and well everybody was just blown out of the water. What, what does stay alert mean? I got, I got, I'm so confused. All these journalists, all the grown-ups in the room, suddenly, the moment that they were offered the chance to be treated like actual grown-ups, well, they, they lost their fucking minds. But I know that the sensible people who listen to this podcast are probably taking a more balanced view of the last week. And uh, first up, big up all the people on the furlough scheme. Bet you had a couple of drinks this week, didn't you, eh? Up till October, Jesus Christ. They have, uh, this is this is very left-wing, isn't it? You You know... You know that the furlough scheme is popular when both the Lib Dems and Labour suddenly tried to claim it was their idea. We are we are through the looking glass people where this Conservative government um, are doing things so left wing that the left wing want to pretend that they came up with them. But welcome one and all to the show with your, your left wing, uh, right wing or, or Lib Dem even, unlikely, let's be honest, but... This show is is coming at politics and social issues from from a slightly right of centre point of view. I, I promise we won't only talk about politics this week because, uh, but it, last week I, I really went off on one, and and you know I only did the last podcast on Sunday, and I was sort of thinking I want to get it back to to doing it on Fridays, and I I, I didn't think I'd have, have enough to talk about. And look look at everything that's happened. In the last week, I mean, the last five days, it's, it's insane, it's insane. Uh, I also keep a cuss count because, you know, obviously us kind of working class types, we can't be trusted not to use uh, industrial language. So my man, David Domain, who listens to the show, he keeps a weekly cuss count of all the swear words that I've been using. And last week it was as follows. There were two piss, two pisses, 12 fuckings, one fucker. I don't normally use the word fucker. That's... That's a new one. One arsehole, four fucks, three shits, one twatty, and no pricks. No pricks. That's two weeks running. No pricks there. Uh, thank you very much to David Domain for that. If anybody wants to, um, I don't know, start doing like maybe graphs, like the government got uh, slideshows. We could get uh, Chris Whitty and Patrick Valance there going, as you can see here, as we just moved to slide four, that the pricks have fallen off the curve there. I mean, that is a, a zero R rate for the word prick. I want to say a big up thank you to all the uh, Patreon people. Patreon people funding this show like the taxpayer is funding my people on the furlough scheme. It's a beautiful thing. You know, this is a, this is the big society at work. This is what David Cameron was actually talking about. Um, I had I had to back off from um, Twitter for a couple of days. I think it was on Tuesday. Cause just because, like, and obviously I'll get onto the political side of what's happened this week uh, later in the show, but... There was just so much nonsense being spoken and so much like people, so many people pretending not to understand what were otherwise relatively simple things. I just had to step back a little bit. Um, but I, I got my I got my news in the old school way. I don't know if we've got any uh, millennials listening, but the way you used to get it, right, was you used to listen to a bit of news in the, uh, in the morning, yeah, a bit of breakfast news, then a little bit of lunchtime news, a bit of early evening news. If, if, you, if you treat news like meals... Or antibiotics, you won't go far wrong. It does give you, uh, does give you a bit more clarity on everything that's happening. Not having this like uh, hysterical, paranoid, conspiracy theory laden left wing DVD commentary that happens on Twitter day in, day fucking out. It's, 
I just want to say before we crack into the main body of the show, uh, thank you and a fuck you. We do this every week. Um, thank you. Uh, I had two favourite fried chicken in Rains Park. I went down uh, to see some uh, some old family friends with my new liberties. Hashtag thank you, Boris. And um, I just suddenly noticed that there was a, a chicken shop open. I've, I've missed chicken. Obviously, obviously, ideally, I would have been wanting... Uh, I would have been wanting, you know, the 11 herbs and spices, but, you know, favourite chicken will do, and it was it was good. It was nasty, but it was just, you know, like when you get fried chicken, you can handle it being nasty up to a point, and then it's like, so you know when you have it with, a, like, a film that's so bad it's good, and then it, there's another level it can go beyond that, which is so bad it is just bad? This was so bad it was good, and I enjoyed every bite of that. I'm an absolute animal when I get into the, into the fried chicken. You know when you sort of like you do it and then you leave the bones in the box and then you get back in your car and drive and then your brain's thinking, still a bit of skin on those bones actually, a little bit of flesh, you know. <laughs> Am I the only one thinking this? Everyone's going, no, Jeff, you're disgusting. Absolutely nobody does that. Look, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I, 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 I may or may not have, have double dipped on the bones. <laughs> I also want to say a fuck you uh, to this old guy near where I live. So there's this alleyway where I live. Not an alleyway as such, it's like a, like a narrow pathway that goes along where the river is and goes up to this nature walk. It's really nice, you know, there's always a lot of people there. It's, a, you know, it's, it's an attractive place. And, um, but there's a quite a lot of old guys that walk down there. Now, obviously, old guys, they're, they're, you know, they're the demographic that this, this virus has been, uh, you know, most damaging to. And, and you should see the way look at you when, when you come down this alleyway. And, and you're sort of thinking, mate, if you, if you, if you don't want to be in close proximity to another human, maybe don't go in a fucking alleyway. Is the, is the big idea. Maybe go on a nice big main road where you've got room to go to one side. And they look at you like, you know, like when you go down uh, when you, where you drive, and, and I'm going to make a gender stereotype here. Like you drive down the road and there's just a woman sitting in a car with both hands on the wheel and she just looks at you like, you need to reverse, mate. I'm not reversing. You need to reverse. These old geezers look at me like that. And I thought, no, I'm not having it. Because I was there with my son. You know, he's four years old. I thought, no. And then this guy, like he backs away from my son to such a degree like you would have thought that my son was like a rattlesnake, and uh, he ends up falling over like a tree stump, falling over a tree stump. And I thought, is this a metaphor here for what COVID-19 has done? It is a thing that has some risk, but the, the, the way that we've responded it to it is much riskier than the risk of the thing itself, you know? Okay, so where at the beginning? It might be worth doing this... Um, um, chronologically, chronologically. So I, I defended Boris last week. You know, I did a piece and I put it up on YouTube as well. It's still up there if you want to actually see it rather than just hear it on the podcast. But just trying to explain to the, the liberal elite why it is that us plebs, us idiots, might still support Boris Johnson and his government. I mean, the thing was, I, it did remind me that I've, I've ended up being quite defensive over Boris. It's like I never was that massive a fan of the bloke, you know. I voted conservative because at that point in time... I did not want to vote Labour or Liberal Democrat. And, and only one party had a plan to actually deliver Brexit and get on with things. And yeah, Boris was the leader, but it, it, I wasn't a Boris fan as such. But nonetheless, I ended up defending him. And I thought, you know, I thought his address to the public on Sunday night just gone was, was actually all right. I thought it was all right. You know, it wasn't amazing. But I thought that the strategy itself seemed like a compromise. There were a lot of people like me who wanted it to go a lot further you know, and there were a lot of people that just wanted it to stay the same. You know, a lot of these strange people. I never thought this would be the case, but I've actually enjoyed like being shut away from real life. These fucking 
bedwetters that said, no, no, don't, don't open the door. It's windy. It's windy out there. Let's just, let's just hunker down forever. I don't know what these people think is possible, right? I don't know how much more the curve had to be flattened or, or how much the risk or the mortality has to be proved to be, you know, I'm not saying that COVID isn't like an aggressive flu, but there's still so much we don't know in, in the long run and the amount that we're sacrificing for this. But anyway, in the, in the long run, it seemed like a, a sensible compromise. And I suppose if you had just said to the British public, like, right, fuck it, it's off, get out there, we'd all been fearful, it would have been it would have been weird, it would have been panic on the street. So there was this, this halfway house of you can go out a bit, you can, with your household, you can go to the park, you know, you should probably go back to work. And this is where, like, the start of this thing that I'm going to call performative confusion came in, which is that people suddenly started acting like they didn't understand very simple things. So one was like, you know, work from home if you can, but if you need to go, if you can't, then go into work. People, what? I don't understand. What do you mean? Go into work? Not go into work? What is Boris saying? You think, well, I think it's pretty obvious. I think it's pretty obvious, you know. How about this? If you're a plasterer, you probably can't plaster someone else's house in your house. And this is where the middle classes struggle, don't they? Because a lot of their jobs can be done, do you know what I mean? Just sitting on a phone, like, <laughs> they literally phone it in. Whereas actual working people have manual jobs. It didn't, it wasn't that confusing. Then it was like, then it was, um, you know, avoid public transport unless it's the only option. I, that is not that difficult to understand. And of course, like the left and the anti-Boris liberal commentariat, they, they piled in on this. And, and there were some, some legitimate questions, right? There were some legitimate questions. One was about this thing about, like, you can have your nanny back, but you can't have your actual nanny back. That was doffs. I don't know who thought that one through. It was clear, clear you know, and there was always going to be these kind of hypothetical problems. I mean, not even hypothetical. That is a genuinely weird issue. And reopening the housing market, obviously there are questions... To answer, and the, the, the thing that really led down for me was that Boris and Boris Johnson and, and Dominic Raab the following day, the communications were terrible, right? All you got to do, like, you've got one job, he's like, you've got this new message, just get out there, know what the fuck you're talking about, right? You know what I mean? You, you've got, oh, that's all you got to do, Don't no fuck-ups today, please, lads. And Boris in the Commons on Monday was poor, I would say. He was very poor. Um, and, you know, Keir Starmer's getting a lot of credit He's getting a lot of credit at the moment just for doing the basics, isn't he? He, I mean, he, he reminds me of, you know, if, if you've ever done comedy and like watched an open spot die on their ass, which was basically Jeremy Corbyn, wasn't it? Just really stinking, st <laughs> stinking it out for like five years. Then when you go on, right, if you just, you know, take the microphone out of the stand and put it to one side and seem to vaguely know what the fuck you're doing, you, this, this guy's a hero. I've had it at a comedy store before. You go on someone like absolutely shits the bed and then you you have some degree of competence and oh my god the forensic forensics from Keir Starmer look at his forensics they really and there's no there's no issue with someone being good on detail that is what a politician's supposed to be but I just think like the the fawning praise that he's getting is, is slightly beyond what it's worth Keir Starmer how forensic is Keir Starmer this is the question I want to ask you know what I mean is he the kind of guy like just like when he makes a poached egg, he never gets it wrong. Like he get, and you get the impression that if he did get it wrong, like he would cry in front of his family. Um. <laughs> but then later that night, right? Later that night, Kia got this was this was missed actually. I'll be in, interested to see the polls this week as they come out because like not, not many people watch Parliament, you know, question uh, PMQs or or speeches to the House. Do you know what I mean? People are mainly people are like with World Cups, you know, like. 
or cricket. They'll watch the Ashes, but they're not going to watch the rest of it. They're going to watch the big stuff, the down the barrel to the nation stuff. And later on that Monday, Keir Starmer had a uh, had a chance, right? He had a five-minute bit as the leader of the opposition addressing the nation, which was a bit odd. Do you know what I mean? It was a bit, you know, like we're... You don't get you don't get a, a speech by the by the runner up. Do you know what I mean? It's like when when there's Olympic gold, they don't play the national anthem of the geezer that won silver. But anyway, you know he he gets his chance and and he was shit. I thought he was really bad. Like he was very insipid and he was and you you know how I know he's bad at auto cue because I am very bad at auto cue. Right, it takes one to know one, and I could just see like he had the fear. Like he's he's like me, good on his feet. I'd much rather be like this talking as naturally as possible. If this was all scripted, you, it would be a very different experience. I have bored myself to tears when I've had to read scripted stuff. So he didn't really... I, I think that was an opportunity for Keir Starman. Like I said, it'll be interesting. I know that his approval rating's gone up previously, but I wonder whether that was a great... The nerves got to him. Do you know what I mean? The nerves got to him. You're just thinking, how many people will be watching? Well, Boris is on after me. Do you know what I mean? He's real box office. I might catch the front end of his audience, Right? How many people can we watch? 10 million? I think I think he shit it a little bit. I think he shit the bed just a little bit. And uh, then Boris comes. So, so I'd watch that. And obviously as a conservative fellow, I was like, well, yeah, fucking too right, Keir Starmer. I mean, you're getting a bit cocky there. Maybe it, do, it was good to get Captain Forensic in check. <laughs> i tell you, like, there, there might be a drinking game somewhere with Keir Starmer whenever he's on his feet in the commons of, of, of when someone tweets the words uh, grown up in the room or... Um, forensic, have a drink, you'll be off your face, you'll be off your tip to a minute. He's a, he's a real grown-up in the room. Ironically, you know, when we did have government rules this week that were more about personal responsibility, it turns out the grown-ups in the room don't really like grown-ups being treated like grown-ups, do they? Anyway, Boris, so then Boris did his, um, he did his briefing and he was, he was bad, mate. He was bad. Now, look, the bloke, he's been, you know, he's had, he had a busy time of it all last year. You know, he's got Brexit done. He's rolled straight into this out of an election. He's been ill. Was he going to die? I don't know, but he definitely was in hospital. He wasn't in good shape. He uh, he had a kid. And he just, he just had his ass handed to him by Starmer, in fairness. And then he went out to the Daily Presser and, and was really... There's one, there one point where he just looked left or right. He looked like... He should have just said, lads, fucking help me out here. I'm dying on my ass. Look at that. Can you hear my voice? I've got the, uh, I've got the, I'm <laughs> getting the flop sweats. What most people think. So it's annoying, I felt, that what was uh, overall a decent strategy was being dashed on the rocks of bad communications, you know? And it, but it doesn't help when you've got clever people saying they don't know what stay alert means right there was a great clip i don't know if you saw this on channel 4 news of a guy called ryan who's a plumber i've been in touch with him on twitter actually because it blew up a bit for him but he was just saying yeah i get it you know boris has said you know keep your two meters wear your ppe if you can show a bit of common sense and then he says to newsread he said what would you would you want a handbook would you want a handbook <laughs> if you just uh, twitter google ryan the plumber channel 4 news this bloke i've been in touch with him. i want to get into the tour i might i might even have him open for me you know just a bit of common sense because it was a real watershed in British politics to find out what happens when the idea of personal responsibility is brought into the phrase. Some people lost their minds. Well, you can't, you can't have personal responsibility. There was, there was people doing a conga, socially distanced conga. It was amazing how that video clip among the middle classes, they just suddenly decided that that's what everyone's doing all up and down the country. One conga. 
you know, they're not realised that when a camera crew rocks up, people often do things that they no- wouldn't normally do. You know, it's the whole point about these viral clips is they don't go viral because they're what's everyone's doing. You know, they go viral because they're exceptional moments. No, you're not going to get a clip going viral of like, look at this street, just broadly observing the rules and not congering. Look at it. Oh my God. Yeah. Quote tweet. Check this out. So much this. 100,000 views. It's not happening. It just, it just depresses. I don't know about you, man, but it just depresses the life out of me. What a dim view of people, of ordinary people that is held by so many people in this country that would imagine themselves liberal, optimistic and positive. And Ryan got a bit of shit, you know, he got obviously from the kind of uh, FBE, like staunch Remain side, who, who because he was a plumber and because he spoke in a certain way, you know, we're calling him thick. Because this is what they're like. They don't like to think that they're capable of unconscious bias, but the moment that they find someone does a manual job and, you know, just speaks like a normal bloke, Oh, he's, he's thick. He's thick. You know he's clever. Me, you know. You just. I just can't deal with the general public. You're like you're. You look, mate. Unless you hold what, like a one of the main offices of state, you're you're a member of the general public. You know. You, you and, and and if we are all thick, your side politically keeps losing to the thick ones. How thick is that? And then of course we had uh, Nicola Sturgeon. So we had a bit of divergence from the main government message here, which was uh, the Welsh and Irish, and of course Scottish Assembly. Of course Nicola, the Welsh and and, and Irish one. You know, I, I took a, paid attention to that. Nicola Sturgeon. I just take it as read that she's going to go her own way. She would never, ever. <laughs> she would never do what Boris does. That's her her trade is to do the opposite of what England slash the Tories do. She's like, stay alert. No, I'm saying, I'm saying, stay at home. That's what I'm saying. Boris is saying, stay alert. I'm saying, stay at home. Uh, Boris, what he, he said, hello. I'm saying, goodbye. I'm saying, fuck off. All right? We'll have border checks for people if you want to come up with that stinking corona-ridden hellhole that is England. I mean, she just, like, she her overall goal is always independence. Like, if you, again, if you want to do a political drinking game, how about every time that Nicola Sturgeon says, for Scotland, in, in any speech about anything for Scotland I've got to do what's right for Scotland you know God forbid that imagine if uh, an English politician talks about doing what's right for England it'll be like well what about the union they don't fucking care about us bastards and you know the problem with the liberal media you know down south is that is that every, everyone fawns over Nicola Sturgeon so what they don't realise is that there are there are untold people in Scotland who, who, do, who aren't squarely behind her I mean you think what like um like, like um, the population density in the highlands and, and so many areas where they just don't have the same risks of transmission as they do here. Do you think that they're all totally on side with, with a continuation of a strict lockdown? And then, of course, Nicola, she moved on to... Then she moved on to stay vigilant. <laughs> Obviously, stay vigilant, Nicola. Is that... Is that yeah, that's, that's, a, well, that's nowhere near stay alert. God, those are completely different ballparks she just can't afford to be seen to be saying the same thing and like I say you know there were there were good ideas in there there were good ideas in there you know the stuff about how you get the housing market going people deliberately well let's hang on so somebody if I put my house on my market my mum could come around to view it no like the rules of the houses being on the market is that you have to disinfect your house vacate it for the duration of the view and then come back and clean it again right yeah it's a ball ache but the housing market is an important thing it's an important thing you got people that were talking, you know, been talking about austerity and the effects of austerity. And they're, they're simply the same ones that want lockdown to continue, you know? They're just, just completely ignoring the huge toll 
economically, you know, people's mental health, people not being able to go to A&E, you know, just, they're just sort of acting. Because what has happened, right? What has happened is that stay at home, protect the NHS, save lives, was ridiculously, ridiculously um, successful. Because people liked it, because the left liked it as well. Stay at home, stay at home. It sounded virtuous, didn't it? Stay at home, protect the NHS. Protect, oh my God, can I say protect as part of a slogan? This is fucking catnip. Save lives, stay at home, protect the NHS, save lives. Anytime anybody posted it, it was like posting like the pride rainbow or something. You know, people felt good about themselves when they said it. And God forbid that we move into a more nuanced age and we have a more, we need a more nuanced slogan. You know, stay alert, control the virus, save lives. Is it as good as a slogan? No, but we're also dealing with an area that's not as clear cut. So for God's sake, stop. If you're an intelligent person, please stop pretending that you don't understand simple things. Quick hype here for the Patreons. I mentioned you guys earlier in the show. Thank you so much um, for paying me money. See, right-wing comedian, able to be honest. Thank you for paying me money to do this. It's been weekly ever since we started, and it will stay weekly uh, as long as I get paid. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not furloughing myself. I want to get no, no offense to anyone that's on furlough, but I know some of you cheeky fuckers who are enjoying it. Be honest. Be honest with yourself. You got a south-facing garden, right? On a nice day, they must seem sweet. No travel costs. Just go, yeah, yeah, Connie. As long as my job's there when I go back, furlough's working out pretty sweet. Uh, shout out to the uh, middle tier of the Patreons. We've got Jessica Baldry, Julian Smart, Simon Brooks, James Harker, and Barry Carter. I cannot hear anyone's surname with the word Carter in without thinking that Manic Street Preachers song. I bet, I bet he got that for a while. Barry Carter. I think there was a golf correspondent called that. Every time they said, we're now crossed to Ian Carter. I was like, Ian Carter. Anyway, back to talking shit. Okay, let's talk a little bit about teachers, right? Because at the moment we've got this... Um, well, let's start with a stat that I read in a YouGov poll which said that... <laughs> This really tickles me. 7% of teachers uh, don't think that lockdown has harmed their students at all. That's 7%. And it's a YouGov poll, so the sample size is going to be decent, right? Even if they only polled 100 people, that means 7 people thought that. And I shared this on Twitter because I, my view was not that, that all teachers feel this way. But the fact that even, even one teacher could think this is, is just astonishing to me. That you don't... Either, like, you're just... You're just pretending because, you know, the furlough's been good. You hate teaching. You get to sit at home, you know, do a couple of lesson plans in the morning. Little video message of you doing a thumbs up to the kids. <laughs> no, I've been doing a lot of reinforcement and positive praise. Yeah, just doing, just hitting thumb up emoji on all the kids on the school WhatsApp group, right? But um, but 7%, you know, or, or you're just admitting that your, your teaching makes fuck all difference to anything. It's astonishing. Now, obviously, there is this pile on on teachers now because the unions are saying well we want to you know we want to disinfect the kids at the school gates uh we want to basically take them through a fucking jet wash <laughs> you know one of those coin operated ones you get at the garage we want every we're going to build one of them outside every school and then and only then will we consider returning to school because I, I i look call me cynical about human nature right this is what i think might have happened is that uh, 
is I was a teacher as well. So I'm, I remember the excitement that would go around when there'd be like a talk of a um, of a snow day, let alone this. I reckon there'd be a little chat about, I don't think we're going back. We're not going back till September. I've heard, heard from head teacher. I've heard the unions won't have it. We're going back. So like, this has slightly surprised them, the primary school teachers, that, that they might be going back before. Now, now I know I've got teachers that listen to this thing. No, I do care about the kids. I am worried about coronavirus. I get it, man. But then there's a lot of jobs that have never stopped working. There's a lot of people that have been out there working. And then people say, like, and this this is where it might be controversial, what I'm saying, is um, is that, well, you know, one one death is too many. And you go, is it? <laughs> Sorry. Is it, but, like, I'm just trying to weigh up, right, the, the education of hundreds of thousands of children up and down the country, right? Let's, let's, say, let's say on the one side of the scale, I can absolutely see this coming back to haunt me right now. Uh, right-wing comedian hopes teachers die. It's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, right? On the scales, you've got one teacher, one teacher. On the other, you've got like several hundred thousand students. And we, we all know that that kind of missing out on, on certain academic things early in life will affect the rest of your life exponentially. So you've got like 300,000 kids. You've got one teacher. What, what are you saying, Jeff? Are you saying it's okay for one teacher to die? I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like all these things... It's trick. Could I pick the teacher? If I could pick the teacher, I've got a couple in my mind from my own schooling experience. You know the ones, the ones that just fucking hated kids, never, never dressed well. You know what I mean? <laughs> just, just uh, the the kids, the, the teachers that would always like hold the whole kid back, the whole class back because they they didn't have the balls to take on the kid that was stabbing everyone with a compass. Um, look, I'm, I don't want teachers to die. That's a terrible thing to even have to clarify in a podcast. But what I'm saying is, you know what the, we know what the unions are like. You know, this is leverage. You know, it can be leverage to them, and they've sort of got to this point where they're acting like uh, infection. I mean, let's be, let's just bear in mind, getting coronavirus is largely benevolent for anybody of working age. Look at the stats. What is it? Three hundred and fifty of all, like thirty. Was it thirty-three thousand now? Three hundred and fifty have been under the age of forty. Right. And of those, most of them had underlying conditions. So, right, if you make provisions for asthmatics, uh, diabetics, teachers, what's the what's the problem? What is the problem? You know, maybe then this is where it gets. To, maybe you have to get make provisions for the fatties as well. You know, because that is an underlying condition now, isn't it? That would be then. Then this gets really tricky. Is that if you're a teacher, you'd be thinking, right, when is it? Right, June the first. I could get fat by then. <laughs> this is what I'd be thinking. I'd be sitting there thinking, right, I'd be working out little ratios. If I exceed my calorie allowance by that, if I can eat before bedtime, if I can hit the K, if KFC reopens, I think I could be morbidly obese by the time we're supposed to go back to school. So you know what, government, you bring it. Because by the time you bring it, I'm gonna be an un- I'm gonna be in a vulnerable health position. So fuck you. Uh, a little moan here about uh, McCain's... Right, so there's these adverts. I don't know if you've seen seen them in lockdown. They're, they're, they're nothing to do with like lockdown itself. It's just they're, they're brands that are on air and they're trying to somehow associate themselves with some of the social phenomenon that's happened during lockdown, right? So the, the, one of the key examples would be they had this advert I've been seeing regularly where it's just like family stuff, right? You know, it goes to the mother, the father, the child, the... The late night FaceTime and the late night glass of wine. And like, just what are you trying to sell us? Because at the moment, I haven't seen any evidence of a product here. I've just seen people fucking hugging, you know what I mean, and smiling. Just families. You, you seem to be claiming credit 
or association with families. They're like the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, the photo taker, and the postcard creator. Right, and you're like, just, just please tell us what, what the product is. And then, I can, then I can decide whether or not I think that this is in any way a cynical effort to cash in. The dog, the cat, the mat. The hat. What the fuck? It there like McCain's. We're trying to we're trying to sell McCain's here. We just we thought people are you know going through something. We we just thought we could jump on it. Sorry, look, McCain's. All right, just say McCain's. Why can't people be honest? I'll be honest. I said to you earlier, I I got a Patreon going because I want to be paid for doing my podcast. Right, I think that's okay. McCain's could just go yeah, like McCain's go McCain's. We still want you to buy our shit during lockdown. <laughs> now, he'll do these adverts, you know. It's like the banks as well. The banks do. There was, a, there was a popular one not so long ago that the banks would run out, which would be them, it, like it would show someone through their whole life. Do you know the one where like it would start off like with a wedding in the 70s and then there'll be like a, then there'd be like a delivery room, a baby crying with jet black hair and then a wife, you know, wearing some fucking frumpy 70s styles maternity clobber. And then, then she'd be like wearing like a bandana, you know, painting the house. You know, that's what women do when they've had a kid. They put on a bandana. <laughs> And some dungarees, and they paint, and they look cute. And then the geezer will put a little bit of paint on her nose, and uh, and then it'll go through the nineties. Then the kids becoming like annoying and a teenager. And then basically at the end of it, it's a woman. She's sitting with her daughter, and they just like they share a look, and you just go Nat West. What the fuck off Nat West? Just a fact. And right, so here's the truth: is I have kept my my account with Nat West through my life but I don't have any emotional draw with them it's not like when I go there it's like visiting an old relative and I just go God, Nat West do you remember Jesus do you remember my first saver account and they're like remember it boy let me show you the photos man when you, ain't, I ain't, you ain't related to me Nat West fuck you Nat West fuck you all these all these adverts that are just desperately I, I, I just want honest adverts from now on just be honest about it McCain's you just want to sell chips and you know those yoghurt adverts that pretend that Yogurt can make women sexually aroused. They're bollocks as well. What most people think. Okay, so we're on to letters already. It's a slightly shorter show this week. Uh, we're on to letters. Well, let's let's see how the letters go. <laughs> this is a weird one uh, from Graham, who obviously lives near where I live. Um, he says, I got a tip off for fish and chips locally because I was moaning about the fact that I couldn't get fish and chips. And uh, basically, there's a Chinese near to where we both live. Apparently, they do... And the way that Graham's written it here makes it sound like they do like if if you if you know a password or something they'll they'll do fish and chips. I don't know why they would need to be secretive about this, you know. Just just meet us around the back, you know. They just they just put some pork balls on top of it, but like it's fish. <laughs> there's, there's no like legal thing against fish and chips here that I've missed. I was having a discussion actually, you know, like the, the fast foods are opening, um, and obviously everyone's waiting for the McDonald's and the KFC. A lot of, a lot of Burger Kings are already open, but I just. I saw a queue for a Burger King. I thought I'm not, I'm not bothering. That. I just don't care enough about Burger King. There was a period in the nineties where I did, but you just realise that it's not flame grilled at all. I don't. I don't. It's nasty. I don't. I mean, I don't mind it. But look, in the holy trinity of fast food, you know, the Colonel, the Ronald, and the Holy BK. I mean, it's definitely going in that order for me. It's KFC, McDonald's, and Burger King. If you want, if you want to come at me on that, then then write in. Right in, right to uh, what most people think UK at gmail.com. I'll tell you this as well. If I, I, I've wanted to do the Holy Trinity in a day once. I've had two of them as two meals. I've never done all three. But it's often occurred to me, what order would you do them in? Because you are, you're beset by the fact that chicken is not a breakfast meat, right? 
So if you're going to have those three brands for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, what are you going to do? Because you can't have KFC. Don't tell me that chicken can be at. There's no version of breakfast anywhere that has chicken in. I know somebody going right now. And actually, Jeff, there's this beautiful Persian dish. Yeah, fine. I mean, they're just like in general. There's no chicken breakfast dish that I accept. <laughs> uh, so then you left. So it's going to be either. McDonald's or or Burger King for breakfast. Now McDonald's obviously do the better breakfast, but then you're kind of like you're limiting yourself then to where Burger King goes. Where does but you know you'd probably want your burger in the evening, wouldn't you? But that means that you end that beautiful day of fast food kind of hall of fame with the worst one. So I don't know if you've got any theories about how to do that differently. Give me a shout. <laughs> what? This is amazing. Like I'm not. I'm the most basic person. I try in the same podcast as talking about politics. <laughs> I honestly said that like I realised I thought it was like a quite a legitimately interesting thing to resolve. And I really... Anyway. Okay, so I got a letter from my man David Domain actually that was um, saying about what do you think about the dog, the freaky dog in Singapore? I don't know if you've seen this, but there's, you know, these bionic dogs, that they're kind of like yellow... Uh, like metal looking things with a black body and they just do move like dogs they move like quite like medium to large sized dogs and in Singapore they're, they're kind of using them as a way of policing the parks there um, you know to stop people you know to, to maintain social distancing and I just thought, sort of thought it's funny with those dogs isn't it because like they, they are sort of held up as the example of AI uh, and the developments that it's undergone and how scary and dystopian it could be but I don't see any others. Like, I don't see any human versions of that. Like, anything that that's realistic from humans. It feels like they've gone very much down the dog, the scary dog route. That's a, you know, in the films, like, Skynet becomes self-aware. It was always because of the Terminator films. We, we believe that that moment would always be about nuclear war. And it won't be now. It'd be like, it would be like your robot dog suddenly, you know, like, goes off-piste. Your robot dog goes mental. That would be it. That would be like, it's not going to be a nuclear war caused by... AI. It's gonna be like you're gonna get mauled in your bed by your fucking, your fucking robot Doberman. You know they it, that would scare the shit out of you. Do you know, especially if you're like if you're a homeless person and you've been like off your tits for years and it's the first time that you're really coming down because like there's social distancing, there's not as much movement, you can't get any gear. Imagining that and you're just coming round and there's just this robot dog in front of you without a head. Jeez, it'd be like one of those old films. You know, like there's that classic trope in the old American films where the tramp would see so like see Superman flying and he'd just look at his whiskey and throw it in the bin. This could be a geezer. He'd like he'd look down at his syringe and then he'd toss it away. What a grim way to finish that. What most people think. Okay, um letter here. This is somebody asking me, actually James, one of the patrons, was asking me if we'd be producing graphs for the cuss count. That might that might be have triggered my memory as to why I said it earlier. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if anybody is that bored, right? If you've been furloughed, you know, look, I'm already paying you effectively. Isn't that right? <laughs> Going to be letters this week. But yeah, if you want if you want to take the um, last few weeks, cuss count and produce a visual, that would be great. That would be great. I would appreciate it. Um, and there's, also, there's one more letter. This is, I don't know if this is also from James, but I've got a note here about a fictional fight between uh, Witty and Valance. So these are the, the chief scientific officer can't remember which one's which is witty the medical officer and valance is they do sound like a folk thing you know you remember when uh vic and bob used to do mulligan and o'hare <laughs> they uh witty, witty and valance witty and valance play the classics 
for Danny Boy. Um, the I don't know about him, like I think Valance is is definitely got a bit more about him. He's stockier man. Witty just looks like he um, he looks like he doesn't like he looks like an invertebrate <laughs> sometimes, doesn't he? I'm not I'm not sensing like uh, much of a skeleton in Witty. This is this is really easy. Valance would absolutely batter him. It would. It, it, these these men aren't comparable. Witty is. He just spent like his whole time. He spent so much time in a lab. He look. He he actually looks like he's. <laughs> he look, this is an awful thing to say. He looks like he's experimented on himself. <laughs> I've said some bad stuff this week. You know, kill teachers. <laughs> Witty is experimented on himself. But yeah, yeah, Valance would be. He'd be slapping him around like uh, like a fucking rag doll. Okay, that is the end of, of this week's show. There's been some interesting topics here. I am going to put this out into the ether. I'm not sure if some of the stuff I've said this week is okay, but that is partly the point of the podcast, isn't it? Don't self-edit, don't self-centre. Uh, just a big shout-out to the um, What Most People Pay Patreons. We've got Andy Lawrence, Stephen Maudsley, and my man Stewie there. I don't think Stewie's his real name. He's just got a um, an avatar of Stewie from Family Guy. And Stewie from Family Guy, that's a great show, is it? Are you padding, Jeff? Because you, once again, haven't bothered to call up your own, your own podcast so you can see if there's any new reviews to read out. As ever, I will read out any new five-star reviews or, or, or bad reviews. Let's see what we got here. Um, so this is from Nick RB. Hey, it's Nick RB. Hey, Nick RB. Uh, providing a little bit of balance to left-wing comics. I laugh at left-wing comics like Nish Kumar. They're genuinely funny but I laugh with Jeff Norcott. It's like laughing at the world with an old friend. Thank you. That did actually sound quite apt in an American accent because it had that sort of um, that sort of positivity that Americans have. You know people say that Americans don't get irony. I think they get irony. They just don't like sarcasm. They don't like it when you're just needlessly negative about shit. But you've got to understand, Americans, that being sarcastic about a terrible thing is how we get through the terrible thing, all right? That's how we got through the blitz, you see? Do you think... Do you think there wasn't sarcasm everywhere on the Blitz? You know, do you know what I mean? How how else do you get through an experience like that? Oh, this is nice down here, isn't it? Oh, this is comfortable. Is this four or five star? Oh, look at him with his sarcasm. Um, we got the one from Tony R H here. Um, oh right, this is embarrassing. So that was the only new five star review this week. Uh, the only review of any kind. But thank you. I think I think I read that out. Yeah, Keith from Hampshire. So yeah, if you want to um, look by, by, by this standards, you'll definitely have a chance of being read out. <laughs> you might be the only fucking one. But um, look, I hope that um, I hope that you, you have a good week. Okay, and uh, you know I'm, I've tried to get the podcast out for Friday, so you've got something over Saturday and Sunday because we all know the weekends are tough. Do you know what I mean? The weekends are tough with the family because some of you might have a little bit of work to keep you going during the week. Then the weekends, man. Saturday comes. There's no football. You know, she's going on about creosote in the fence. The kids are going fucking mad. Everyone's downloading stuff off the ball. But all you really want to do is just have a moment, put on your earbuds, take some fucking ketamine and go for a nice walk with the dog. Maybe give the dog some ketamine. Who knows? But you just need a break now and then. That's it. Yeah.